0: Come on, y'all know this song. Don't, the don't, burn on the grill. don't act like you don't always that been
1: saved. <laughs> to no to
0: I told first service. That's a prophetic word for somebody right now. If, hey, God don't care how you get it; He just care that you get it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if that's there for you, you reach up and you grab it, and you you take it. Amen. Somebody's moving up. Anybody moving up in here? Yeah. I hope everybody be glad about that. Well, listen. How cool is it now we get a chance to celebrate Christmas and New Year's on a Sunday, like the first day of a new year? We get to prioritize and say, God, above everything else, even though I may have only gotten 30 minutes of sleep last night, I'm here. And since I'm here, I'm going to give you everything that I got. Anybody can say that this morning. God, I'm going to give you everything that I have this morning. Amen. Um, man, I tell you what, it's a new year, new seasons, new hopes, new dreams. But I'm here to tell you it's the same God. So many times people say God is doing something new in the new year. No, he's not. God has always been God. God has always been good. God has always been a healer. God has always been a provider. The same thing that he did back then, he's going to do now. It's up to us to, to get on the same page with God. I admit I haven't always been on the same page with God. But in 2017, I'm making it my business that if nothing else goes right this year, I'm going to be on the same page with God. Amen. Anybody there with me this morning? Yes. Amen. And if, you know, social media was really awash last week, in the last few weeks of 2016, with so many people passing along, uh, passing on. And so if you're sitting there wondering this morning why you made it here and somebody else didn't, maybe you have some survivor's remorse, let me point you to the cross this morning and say your work is not finished. It's not finished for you. It's not over for you. I don't know what baggage you might be bringing into 2017, but the power of God in your life is greater. Your work is not finished. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, I don't have any work to do because God doesn't have any work for me to do. I'm here to tell you that you may not see it, but God is building something inside of you. That you just need to steward over so that when God releases it, you're ready for it. Say that again. God is building something in you that you need to steward. God is building it, but you've got to steward it. Amen. 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 Pastor Gene said, uh, used to say once before, uh, that God is the boss, God is the owner, but we're the managers. If God gives us something, if God puts something in us, We've got to steward it. We've got to manage it. So I don't know what your gifting is. I don't know what you struggle with, what you see yourself doing, what kind of visions or dreams God has given you, but I'm here to tell you, you've got to cultivate that thing. Or maybe you say in 2016, I squandered my thing so badly, there's nothing that God could have for me to do. I messed it up too badly. To you, I would say Israel sang Israel and Newbreed sang a song um, years ago and it just said your ladder will be greater than your past you will be blessed more than you can ask despite all that has been done the best is yet to come And your ladder will be greater. Lift your hands if you believe that. Your ladder will be greater. Oh, your ladder will be greater than your past. That's another song for somebody. Amen. Now, there are some of you that are here this morning. And 2016 was just horrible. You're looking at God like, God, I can't believe that you let me go through a whole year from January to December, like 2016. It felt like winter. And see, being around y'all Midwestern folks, yeah, I'm a Southern boy, but being around y'all Midwestern folks, y'all don't like winter. What is up with that? Winter has gotten a bad rap up here, man. I know folks down south that would love to see what a winter appears like, but man, y'all, winter, bring on spring. Like, it's December. It was 85 degrees on Christmas. What more do you want? Y'all better quit praying for that warm weather. (laughs) Winter gets a bad rap. Because understand, there would be no spring without winter. Winter is very sneaky. And if you're not looking at it through the right eyes, it can be deceptive. Because all those beautiful flowers and bushes that you plant in the spring, those crops you splur that you are looking for to bloom in the spring and summer, it's during winter when nobody can see what's going on, when that seed is in the earth and those roots are reaching really down deep to pull that nourishment from a deep well of nourishment, that that growth begins to happen so that when spring comes, when God snaps his finger and says, oh, it's time for spring, that growth happens so fast, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. My roses look so beautiful this year. It's because they've had time to be dormant and to grow where we couldn't see them. Man, come on. Somebody got to get that. Somebody got to get that. You may say 2016 was a perpetual winter for me. Well, I will say praise God. Because when your springtime comes, people are going to look at you and they're going to wonder, God, did you sprinkle some miracle grow on them? And God's going to say no. They just had a time in the winter for their roots to grow deep in me. And now that their roots are growing deep, they're ready to explode. They're ready to bloom. They're ready to go forward. Somebody ought to give God a praise. But, yeah, okay, so honestly, 2016 was rough in areas. But it also feels like God was doing some things. God was making room for some things by removing other things in our lives so that when we grow, we don't have weeds and thorns there to choke us off. We can grow uninhibited. We can grow to the full measure, to the full statue that God wants us to grow. And so before I go any, any farther into this message, I want to thank Pastors Gene and Mel for giving me this opportunity. Uh, this is the first Sunday of a new year. And I know many pastors use this time to kind of set forth God's vision for the church for that Sunday. And so when Pastor Gene asked me to preach, I thought I was being pranked. (laughs) I thought I was going to say, yeah, and he was going to say, (laughs) psych. No, not really. Um, But church, we have leaders who they love us. And even though they may not be able to pinpoint exactly what God has planted inside of us, they see something. And that's a blessing, y'all. That is a blessing for somebody to see something in you that you may not even see for yourself in that moment. And there have been plenty of times that my wife and I have seen nothing inside of us. But we've had leaders here, and not just pastors Gene and Mel, who've looked at us and said, God has put something in you all. And that is a blessing, y'all. That's a blessing. We're all human, we all fall short, but when somebody can look at you and say, God has something in you, that's somebody that you can serve with. So I thank you, i honor you both this morning, thank you. So this morning, we're going to talk uh, from the topic, it's moving day. It's moving day. I want you to touch two people and say it's moving day. Come on church. And see, this morning, I didn't want to come at you from an emotional standpoint, because what happens many times is when we get emotional, we hear a word, and we start getting really emotional with it, our emotions take over and really cloud us from being able to grasp on to what God really wants to say to us, okay? So yeah, I know God gave us emotions, and this is an emotional message for me, um, because Well, you know, God's been really speaking to me about this. but And yeah, you know, I might shout, I might get a little crazy. You might shout, you might get a little crazy. Man, we might all start shouting and getting a little crazy. If you don't shout, I'm going to shout by myself because I ain't ashamed. But the gist of it is, I don't want you to miss what God wants to say to us on this day, in this moment. Because... It's moving day, and we can't stay where we've always been and do the same things that we've always done. We should be as excited. We should be jumping up and down, dancing, leaping, shouting our praises to God out there in our cubicles, in our classrooms, in our offices, on our buses, on our commutes to work even more than we do it in here. Out there where it's not safe, Where it's the jungle. They don't want to see what we do in here. They want to see how we behave ourselves. If you're still so excited about your God, be excited about your God when you're in Walmart or when when you're in Aldi's or when you're in Target. They want to see how excited, how fervent, how white hot your passion burns for God when you're out there on their turf. And if we can't do it out there, nothing that we do in here matters. So it's moving day. And I had two topics in mind this morning. One was going to deal with how we were pregnant with the purpose and the passion and the potential that God has placed inside of us. Um, and I started developing that message, but then God stopped me. And God said, okay, no, this message right here, it's moving day. It's for you, Justin. It's for your family, Justin, but I want you to give it to Destiny Church. So it's a very personal message, but I'm I'm going to be selfish this morning because God spoke it to me. But I want to give it to you because I think it'll be an extremely personal message for you as well. And this is a message because it's, it's, it's for the body of Christ. It's not just for Destiny Church or Impact or Faith Assembly or Calvary Christian. It's for all of us. It's not just for Pastor Gene and Mel or for myself and my wife or for uh, Pastor C.J. and Courtney. It's for all of us. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, God is saying this morning, 2017, it's moving day. Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 4. And I'm going to jump around a lot. You may not be able to keep up, but it's okay. It's okay. The Lord had said to Abram, I don't like moving. Like when I say I don't like, I mean I really, really have a deep dislike for moving. Hate would be too strong, so I'll just say I really, really, really dislike moving. Like getting on Facebook to ask for boxes. Having to go to Walmart early in the morning to pick up the best boxes. Because if you go later on, you get the the messed up boxes. Okay? Um, Having to sort through stuff. Having to Sweep up trash, sort through clothes, make sure everything's the way that it's supposed to be when you move out. Like, when we talk about moving, I'm like, okay, let's just give everything away and then we'll start over when we get to wherever we're going. Like, for real. But, but let me tell you the source of my trauma, okay? Because nine years ago, in the middle of the night, my wife and Kayla, we were in the biggest U-Haul that you can find. Pulling a car on a trailer behind it with straps that would not stay on the wheels. Being passed by semis going 70, 80 miles per hour while our poor little U-Haul that could was only going 50 miles per hour at best. Talk about scary. Driving overnight, stopping at gas stations where weird people were doing weird things at the weirdest hour of the night. Y'all, that was frightening. There are some weird people out there. Whew. Stuff that gets burned into your memory. It was frightening having to pull over on the side of the road while semis were just whooshing past you to put the straps up on wheels that were supposed to stay because we did it the way the people at U-Haul told us to do it. Stopping in a hotel to sleep for about three hours and then getting up and making that last little bit of trek of drive to Orinogo, Missouri, a place that we didn't even know existed up until about two, uh, two months ago. All the time wondering, God, why are you taking us from a place where we are, we're around our family, they're taking care of us and all this stuff. Why are you moving us away from that to up here? Matter of fact, when we started getting to our house in Orinogo, my wife was like, uh, babe, where are you taking me? And I said, I don't (laughs) know. You ask God. I'm just doing what he said. See how I blended on Jesus right there? Amen. But moving's no fun. Because we get comfortable. Anybody know what it feels like to be comfortable? We get so comfortable that we begin to fool ourselves into believing that even when our situation is uncomfortable, it's more comfortable than us having to inconvenience ourselves and move into a different situation. I've outgrown my situation. I wish I could move. Oh, Wait, no, I don't want to move, so I'll just keep dealing with this same mess that I've been dealing with for this whole year. When you know God has told you to get up and move, but you're like, no, God, that's too much trouble. So God's like, you just want to sit there and be unhappy? Yeah, God, because I don't want to move. And y'all are quiet, but we make those decisions every day of our lives without even knowing it. God tells us to move, and we're like, nope, I'm, I'm good. I'm good right here. But see, let's look at Abram, at, at Abram, because God comes to him, and he's telling him, I want you to move from this place to that place. Now, Abram was rich, like really rich. I, I saw on a website that Abram, if they were to put it in today's figures, was one of the three richest men in the Bible. First was Solomon. Second was Job. Before and after, he had his stuff removed and restored. And then third was Abraham. So Abraham had a bunch of stuff. And God comes to Abraham and says, Okay, Abraham, I want you to move. And back then, Abram didn't have three men and a camel to come and help him pack all his stuff up. He was responsible for everything. Like a caravan that probably stretched through this sanctuary all the way down the south range line. And he was responsible for all of that stuff as they're making their way from Haran to the place that God would have for them. But he immediately obeyed. And that's big. Because how many of us could say if God said that, we would immediately obey with no issues, no qualms, no questions whatsoever? I'd ask questions. I'd procrastinate. But I'm so glad that Abram obeyed, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But see, God told Abram that he was going to make him into a great nation. Through him, all the peoples of earth would be blessed. Now, here's the thing that I want you to understand here, and it's on the next slide. God never said that there was anything wrong with where Abram was. But it was that Abram wasn't where God wanted him to be. God never said, Abram, you're in the wrong place. I can't bless you there. Of course God could bless Abram there. But God had something extraordinary for Abram if he obeyed and went where God wanted him to go. Abraham was in a place of comfort, but God wanted him in a place of extraordinary blessing. And see, that hit somebody here this morning. That hit somebody because you're in a great place. You're in a good place. You have a great job. Your relationship with your family is great. Everything's great. Your money's great. But deep down, Deep down where you don't want people to look, there is an unsettled feeling there. Because God has come to you and God has said, you're comfortable, you're in a great place. I don't have any issues with where you are. But where you are is not where I want you to be. Because you're blessed here, but you'll be abundantly blessed right here. You're getting promises here, but my promises for your future and your generations after, they are right here. So I need you to get from here... Leave your comforts, become uncomfortable, become inconvenienced here. Because what happens when you get right here is not just going to change your life, but it's going to change the lives of everybody that comes after you from here until the end of time. And so Abram obeyed, and he packed up his things, and he left. And see, the powerful thing about this is that God made Abram that promise generations ago. But generations till now, we are still reaping the blessings that came because of Abraham's obedience. And in generations to come, they will still reap the benefits of the blessing that Abraham garnered to us by his obedience. But there are some things that we have to do. So number one, We have to move on. We have to move on. So whether it's from past relationships or disappointments or sin, God has a plan for your life. And his plan is not in the past, but rather his plan is in the now. Because he is a now God. When Moses said, who should I tell them sent me, he didn't say, tell them I was. He said, tell them I am. And the same I am that went before Moses Uh, The one before Pharaoh and Moses' behalf is the same I am that wants to intervene in your life. He is. I am favor. I am anointing. I am power. I am healing. I am peace. I am joy. Whatever you need right now in your life, God says, my name is I am. So the promises of God are not in your past. The favor of God does not rest in your past over here. Because sometimes we think we move past God. That's crazy. Because God is everywhere. But when we move with God, we begin to see things manifest in our lives that we wouldn't have seen had we not been obedient to what he was asking us to do. God has known you since before you were even a thought for your mother or for your father. And God has known, according to Jeremiah 1.5, that he's chosen you for something extraordinary. And he's appointed you to do something to build his kingdom on earth. And he's set you apart for a very specific purpose. Let's look at these verses here. Job 17.9, the righteous keep moving forward. Philippians 3.13 and 14 says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining what? Straining what? To what lies ahead. I run straight. He didn't say I run curving or I run in a zigzag pattern or I take two steps forward and three steps back. He says I run purposefully ahead. And then there's a verse in Isaiah 43.18 that says forget what happened in the past. And do not dwell on events from long ago. Because see, our present and our future are dependent on us having short-term memory and long-term faith. Our present and future are dependent on having short-term memories and long-term faith. And too many times we do the opposite. We have this long-term memory that we can remember every negative thing that's been said about us since our introduction into the world. We can remember the doctor saying, that baby has a funny-shaped head. But we can't remember the blessing that God laid out in our lives five minutes ago. Because our memories are long, but our faith is short. And we believe that God is a short-term God, and we can rest more in our memories. It doesn't matter whether somebody did it to us or we did it to somebody. We find a home in our past, and we barricade ourselves right there. And we refuse to move. But that kind of living damages us and it damages those people around us because our lives are not about ourselves. So the more that we barricade ourselves in our past over here, the more God is looking like, but this is the spot. This, this, this is a spot, if I can get you out of your memories, because who cares what they thought about you? Who cares what they said about you? I know it hurt what they did to you. I know you hurt somebody by what you did, but you've got to move on from that point and get from your past into your present. Because when you get to your present, when you move on to your present, that's where the power is. God deals in a long game. So our faith has to be long term. We pray prayers that are very short-sighted. They're very short-sighted. We pray prayers that are only considering what's happening around me right now. Because that's what we can see. I get that. But God is a long-term God. God is not just looking to bless you right now, but he wants that blessing to stretch from where you are into your children's lives, into your grandchildren's lives, and on throughout your family line. That's how long God thinks about things. Can you imagine what kind of ministry Paul would have had if he had never forgiven himself for persecuting Christ? Or how effective would Peter's sermon after, on the day of Pentecost have been? if he had never forgiven himself for denying Christ. Or one of the disciples that said, okay, I'm done. Because every time we talk about Jesus, we get stripped down, we get beaten within an inch of our lives, and then we get put in jail. So I can't do it. I'm just gonna live right here in the past and let the world go on without me. We tell our athletes all the time, you have to have a short-term memory. Because Landon, if you are on the football field, your defender gets around you and sacks your quarterback, does the game stop? Is the coach going to call a timeout because you missed your block? No. If you're on the basketball court and you're dribbling the ball, somebody swipes the ball, goes down, and dunks it or lays it up, is the coach going to call a timeout because you made a mistake? So in that same fashion, is life going to stop because you made a mistake in your past that's keeping you from going to your future? Man, come on, y'all got to talk to me, because I know I'm preaching. I know I'm preaching, because listen, we make mistakes and we stay here, man. We get down on our knees, we put our thumbs in our mouth, and we rock. And we refuse to move from that spot. But God is saying, you got to get up. Where's your get up, church? Where's your courage, church? Get up and move on. It doesn't stop because we make a mistake. The world keeps going around us. But we serve a God whom even though we want to stay stuck in the past, he will urge us and urge us and prod us to move on. So somebody hurt you. You lost a friend. You lost family. That's life. That sounds really, really callous. I understand that. But that's what God told me. That's life. Life is messy. Life is full of scandal. It's full of salaciousness. Life is, life is just a mess. But what pleases God is when we trust him enough to give those burdens over to him and choose to walk in his peace. That's not to say it doesn't hurt when people we've known a long time choose to no longer associate with us. Or because we hurt somebody, they leave our lives. That hurts. God understands that hurt. He's not holding that hurt against you. But what he's looking at you and saying is, are you going to stay there? Or are you going to move on? Look at your neighbor and say, it's moving day. Your destiny is not found in the past. The past is the past because it's already past. We say that again. The past is the past, because it's already past. If that were not the case, we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have anything really for a New Testament. Because all of those writers had things in their past that they could be very ashamed of. But because of the grace of God and because of them accepting the grace of God in their lives and the forgiveness of God in their lives, they were able to move forward and tell us from God how to live our lives today. And I'm sure that if you were to talk to any of them, they would tell you the key was when I decided to trust God more than I trusted my faith in a negative situation in my past. We've got to move on. But we also have to move through As in, we have to move through our hardships and our struggles. We have to commit to God those things that cause us to stumble, whether addictions or unforgiveness or financial distress, health issues, disappointments, whatever those things are that cause us to stumble and to fall back. We have to be ready to move through them. Let's look at this story in Matthew chapter 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside to pray to himself. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them and walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, we know how that story goes. Peter gets out of the boat. He walks on the water. He loses sight on Jesus, begins to focus on the storm around him. He begins to sink. Jesus saves and pulls him up. But that's us. Because too many times we find ourselves in these situations where we're in the boat. And the thunder is crashing and the lightning is flashing and the wind is whipping around us, throwing everything in our lives into the most horrible kind of chaos that we could ever imagine. And then we look out and we see Jesus there. And he's saying, take courage in his eye. But what happens? We say, no, that can't be Jesus. That can't be. Because Jesus, God, Jesus is God. God is holy and my situation is not holy. I messed myself up. My, 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 my finances are a mess because I can't handle my money. My marriage is a mess because I, 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 I'm just no good at marriage. I did all this stuff to myself, and, and Jesus is only concerned with what life did to me and what others did to me, but not what I did to myself. But church, I'm going to tell you that Jesus is not some kind of semi-savior who picks and chooses what he saves you from. Jesus is the <laughs> only savior who will save you from anything. He will save you from everything because he knows what it feels like. Somebody walks out on you and leaves you on your own. Your heart is broken, and you think you can never love again. You can't get your money right, so your family is in perpetual struggle, and you blame yourself for it. God knows. He sees those tears. He sees the regret that you feel, and it breaks his heart that his creation would see themselves as so low, that they don't think they stand a chance to receive the grace that Jesus Christ poured out for each and every one of us. I'm here to tell you this morning that no matter what is going on in your life, whether you made the mistake, whether somebody else did it, Jesus is the omni-savior. Everything. He doesn't pick and choose. He covers every sin. He covers every mistake. And he's he's calling us to move through those things. See, we have to decide how much we're going to trust Christ to be our Savior over. Because God will be God over as much as we release him to be God over. God will be God over as much as we release him to be God over. That's why you see people who can walk every day speaking in tongues. They can't even talk to you because they're speaking in tongues. but they're struggling in their marriage. Or somebody who can be healed from a cancer in their body, but they can't be healed from an addiction. Because they've chosen, listen, they've chosen that God can heal me from my sickness, but God can't heal me from this uh, diseased addiction that's eating me up on the inside. You ever wonder why people can believe God for salvation? and believe that they're going to heaven when they die. But they cannot believe God to heal them from their sickness right here and right now. Isn't that funny? Isn't that the same God? The same God who says, I want to save you and bring you to be with me forever. It's the same God that says, by my stripes, you are healed. So somebody tell me where the disconnect is right there. Because if God is God, is God, then we should be able to trust him from point A to point B to point C to point D. Am I right? Or am I crazy? So the God of salvation is also the God of healing. It's also the God of miracles. It's also the God who restores our broken hearts and resurrects our dead dreams. Am I right, church? But when we say that we're not going to move through the storm, what we're saying is that, God, I don't trust you. And see, this is what happened. Peter was there, and he threw it out to Jesus. He said, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come to you. He could have been like, see, that's what we do. We say, God, if you're really God, do this. And then we step back like we had a mic drop moment. (laughs) But what that tells us is that we don't truly have the faith that we think that we do. Because what Christ did then was Christ picked up the mic. He said, come, and he threw it back at Peter. (laughs) you going to try to challenge me, test my power, test my authority. Okay, Pete, come on, bruh. Peter had a choice to make in that moment. Am I going to stay right here in this storm that's scaring me half to death? Or do I trust that this man is who he says he is and he can catch me when I get out of this boat? Some of you would say that's not an easy choice. And it'd be easy for me to say that in every situation in my own life I've chosen to get out of the boat. But that would not be true. But what I do know is that God wants us to trust him enough That when there's a storm going on in our lives, no matter how our boat is spinning, no matter how the waves are rocking and rolling us, no matter what's going on, who's not talking to us, who no longer wants to associate with us, no matter what failings are happening in our systems around us and in us, God wants us to trust him and say, okay, God, you said come, you got me. So I'm going to step out of the boat and we're going to see what happens next. Look, it's not easy. But faith is not for the weak of heart. Faith is not for wimps. Faith is for the courageous. Hebrews four fifteen and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God knows. He knows what you're dealing with right now and he empathizes and sympathizes with you and he is prepared to meet you with compassion but you have to be prepared and when he says come, you've got to be prepared to come. You've got to be prepared to go. It's not enough to ponder moving because faith is action in conjunction with belief. I like what Mark Batterson says here. He says, faith is cutting down a limb and believing the tree will fall. If that sounds impossible to you, then maybe you don't realize just how powerful the God who created that tree really is. The very things that you were struggling with, the very storms that you were going through in your lives right now, as the calendar year is flipped from 2016 into 2017, those very storms, God has not cleared them because He's calling you to walk through them. And you're going to stay right there until you decide in yourselves, I'm sick and tired of this storm. I'm going to walk through it to meet Jesus. He never promised He'd clear out every storm, He let the disciples go through storms. When he ascended, they certainly went through storms. But in every instance, they had to make the conscious choice to move through it. So maybe your 2016 was one big raging storm. One system after another coming at you, hitting you, buffeted by the waves, thunder rolling, lightning coming at you. God says move through it. Pick up your stuff. Find your courage. Put on your big boy pants. Move through it. So, we have to move on from dead things. We have to move on from regret. We have to move on from unforgiveness. We have to move through our storms. And it's very important that you do those first two. Because the first three is dependent on that. Because if we're going to be better in 2017, we have to get ready to move out. And by moving out, what I mean is, we have to understand that our lives are not about us. God called Abraham out of Haran because there was an entire people that he wanted to touch. But Abraham had to be obedient first before he was in the place where God could use him to bless this entire population of people. God told him, Genesis twelve three, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now I'm going to turn the mirror back on you. This morning. Because don't you realize that everything that you do creates a ripple. You know how you throw a rock into the water and the ripples go out and they begin to weaken the farther out they go? What you don't see is the energy being released from those ripples. The ripples in the water may go away but that energy is still traveling. But now, in the spirit... Our actions, our responses to hurts, our responses, how we move through our storms, how we move past our disappointments and move on, create ripples that don't get softer and less powerful as they move out. They get stronger because that energy begins to transfer from our lives into the lives of our children and generations to come after us. Everything we do matters. Everything, every decision we make matters so that person that's in outside of Walmart who's begging for food, that person that we judge and say, oh, that person only wants our money so we can go buy some alcohol or get some drugs. What if you paid for that person's meal? Or what if you stopped for just a moment to say, how are you doing? My name's Justin. What's your name? Can I pray for you? Instead of judging that person and say, listen, I'm not saying any of this to... to, to cast aspersions or make anybody feel guilty. But what I'm praying this morning is that God expands our our mindsets so that it doesn't matter what somebody else wants to do with what we give them. We give them hope. We give them grace. We give them Jesus. What they do with that is on them at that point. But we have to understand that if we give it, you never know what may change in that person's life as a result of them coming into contact with someone who knows Jesus Christ. So in 2017, we have to move out of our buildings. We have to move out of our comfortable worship situations. We have to move out of our Destiny Church, this, Impact Life, this, Calvary Christian, this, Faith Assembly, this, One Church, this. We're the body of Christ. They want to see how we move together. And if we can't move together, they don't want what we say we have in here. And if we can't move together, maybe we don't even have in here what we think we have in here. It's time to move out. See, check out what the apostles did in Acts 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And God added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. That is community. That's why we're moving out. Because the community in the community is the kingdom of God. In the community is the power of God and the presence of God. And I can say that to you this morning because God has been dealing with my wife and I about this for about two years. Justin, Latricia, what are you all doing to create community? What are you doing to talk to those people who don't go to your church? What connections are you making? Right now I see you ain't making no connections. Because everything that you're doing is inside of a circle. And let me tell you one thing about circles. (laughs) God doesn't care nothing about your circle. You have your circle of friends, your people that you hang with on a regular. Check it out. God don't care. God cares not about your circle. I'm here to tell you that God has no problem completely obliterating your circle so that you will see those outside your circle who need to see him. That's a painful truth. Because we get so comfortable with the people that we see every Sunday morning that we block out the people we see on, Sunday, uh, on Monday morning or on Sunday afternoon. And so when God started dealing with us about this, what happened was we decided to have a worship night and invite people from all churches to come. Even though I don't feel like I play the greatest guitar, we worshiped together. And it was beautiful. And it wasn't about any specific church. It was about the community of God. And let me tell you something, folks. If we can't go out there and talk about the body of Christ, then we just need to go somewhere. Because they ain't trying to hear that stuff about everything I'm doing in my church, in my hometown. Or everything I'm doing with my friends. They don't want to hear that. They want to see the church, see the need, meet the need, preach Jesus. So quit. (laughs) Okay. So quit praying to God for a miracle. Quit begging for a miracle. Go out there and be a miracle to somebody. Quit praying for healing. Quit saying, oh, God, I wish you would heal this person, such and such, for something. God is saying this morning, you better get out there and be healing for somebody. You better get out there and declare healing. I've provided it. Go out there and be a dispenser of healing. Be a hope dealer. Get out there and show this community what the body of Christ is really about. Because when we do that, when we do that, That's when we will see how powerful the kingdom of God really is. We're only tapping into a fraction of what God wants to do in this area. You're only tapping into a fraction of what God wants to do in your job or in your school. But I guarantee you, when you break up your circle and you begin to see what's outside of your circle, it will break your heart, it will open your eyes, and it will strengthen your faith to levels that you've never encountered it before. But first, we've got to move out. So I don't know where you are this morning. You might be that person that you were sitting in the same place with your hands around your knees rocking back and forth because you can't get past what so-and-so said about you five years ago, or you can't get past what you did to somebody six months ago, or maybe you're sitting inside of a storm and you don't know which way to go. Or maybe, you know, you're just sitting in a house and you've outgrown the space, but you're afraid to move because you don't know what's out there. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you've gotta move on, you've gotta move through it, you've gotta move out of it, you've gotta move up it, you've gotta move forward, you can't stay where you are. Destiny Church 2017, you cannot stay where you are. You've gotta move. We're moving, we're moving. We're moving, we're we're moving from death to life. We're moving from darkness to light. We're moving from defeat to victory tonight. Somebody's crossing over from shame to grace tonight. Somebody's moving from fear to
1: faith tonight. Jump up on your feet. Somebody's moving from sorrow to joy tonight. from bondage to freedom from mourning to dancing
0: now now, now I tell you to lift up now. your hands and begin to make some now. noise and lift lift move on hands. from He's where you here. are right now lift come on give God a He's moving here. praise we can't stay here we gotta, go. we gotta go now that message has impacted your heart And I just only said what God has already been talking to you about, that it's time for you to move. You've got to move on from your past. You've got to be courageous and move through your storm because there is a world out there that God wants you to move out into. I want to invite you to come forward and meet us here at the altar. I believe something powerful is happening this morning as we answer the call of God and we respond to the call of God to move. We're not moving backwards. We're moving forward because we serve a God who makes all things new. So I want you to lift up your hands and lift up your voices as we sing this last song. Anybody receive that word this morning? Well, I want to call pastors Gene and Mal up, because I think it's only right that they bless us and send us on our way this first Sunday of the year. Amen.
1: Raise your hands. I want to pray for you today. Father, we thank you for all that we did. We praise you even for the struggle of 2016. But God, we are so anticipating today is a new chapter, the first day of a new chapter in our lives. And, Father, we say we are not going to stay where we were. But, God, we are pursuing. We are pursuing you, God, this year. We're pursuing you like never before. No longer will we stay tied to mistakes and things of the past. But, God, we are moving forward, God, in you. God, we're saying that 2017, God, we are going to move through, God. And we're going to say yes. And, God, we're going to pursue you like never before in our life get outside of our inner circle god looking to expand the kingdom of god that god you may be moved in us god you are the omni savior god we thank you today god you are moving in us god moving us past where we've been and god taking us to a greater future we confess with our words we agree in our heart and father we say we are moving forward this year in you we are pursuing you this year, God, like never before. If you agree with that, say amen and amen and amen. Put your hands together. God bless you. We praise you. Have a great New Year's Day. Turn and give someone a big hand, uh, shake a hand, or give them a big high five, or give, give them a big hug, whatever you want to do, and say, God bless you.